Talk with Pam and John, also known as The Calm Before the Storm. Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources. And our why is about making the impossible possible. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. I had a workshop this morning to talk about star redesign. The redesign of star. What are people saying about star redesign? What are you hearing? Like, you know, I think that it's a positive thing because I think that we need to reverse engineer a test that is indicative of more best practices in the classroom because we know so much of what goes on in the classroom is dictated by what people think is on the test. Yep. And yep. so now, but I've heard a lot of negative chatter out there like, well, that's going to make it harder and that's going to this and that's going to that. When in reality, what we're doing in classrooms, unfortunately, is not what we should be doing right because we're like abcd 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 so i actually like that we're kind of going through that redesign so a lot of the comments that we received this morning fourth grade teachers hated teaching writing seventh grade teachers hated teaching writing high school teachers they understood it but were not comfortable teaching it why and so a lot of them were telling me you i'm not comfortable with it i don't like doing it i you know Teacher, uh, kids don't like it. So why are we pushing something on them? And I said, okay, here's the thing. I understand that you're not comfortable with it, but all of you in here have at least four years college education. You had to write. I said, the thing is, is that when you go cross-curricular, you're embedding writing into all of the content areas. You have to write. It's an everyday skill that students need. And the fact that we've got text language that kiddos are more familiar using text language, BRB, instead of writing out, be right back. And they're more comfortable sending out BRB even to their coaches or to their teachers. That's a problem. I said, so you all write better than your students. You have four years of college education on top of high school education that our kids don't even have yet. You're going to have to step outside your comfort zones. You're going to have to start doing things you are not comfortable with or you don't liking. So you're experiencing the exact same thing that kids are nowadays. You're going to have to get over yourselves. You're going to have to learn how to do things differently. That's right. And so like I said, we had, we have 200 people here today and that's the, those are the comments that that we're getting is it's yeah. more work or I, you know, I don't like the work or I don't know how to do that. Well, you know what? This is just high school. You completed high school. You know how to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always going to be anytime there's changes to, you know, there's so much, there's so many opinions about standardized assessments at the mm-hmm. state level, right? High stakes testing. And, and, and so people have a lot of opinions about that, but I think, you know, I, I, it's hard to make an argument that that high stakes testing have not had a huge impact on how we go about teaching students. Oh, I completely agree. And, and so if we all because everyone can pretty much agree to that, right? They can go, yeah, I agree. And so then, you know, the question is, OK, so if what we know is as an unintended consequence, right, high stakes testing, state testing what happens on that one day of the year or two or three days of the year? It's not that many really these days compared to what it used to be. Right. What happens on those days 
has a huge impact on what we're doing on a daily basis in the classroom. The rest of the year. To prepare them for that. So then if what we know from studying brain neurology, learning theory, um, you know, high high yield instructional practices, everything is about not just doing ABCD, then why would we not engineer or, or reimagine a state standardized test that would incentivize best practices as far as instructional approaches go in the classroom? Because what we know is what happens on the test is what we do in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So therefore, what we're doing is saying, hey, we're going to redesign this test around how teaching the way TEA's trainings I've been in have been saying, we know that, you know, that the way teaching is occurring in classrooms is not what's on that state test. It's, it's, um, you know, having opportunities to express in multiple ways, have an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, what TEA is saying is we know what should be occurring in classrooms based on all the research and all the science and all the evidence-based practices. Here's what should be occurring. So we're going to go ahead and design the test that way so that there's no disconnect Right. As far as where research is, where you're being assessed, so that you can align your practices in the classroom. Right. Right. And it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. Teaching is not easy. It's never meant to be easy. It's going to be a difficult transition for educators who are not doing cross-curricular lesson planning, mm-hmm. for, for schools who are behind the curb on, on, uh, on uh, differentiation and- And that's know. exactly, that is exactly what I told them. You know, you, you start looking at, you, you have to think, take lots of things into consideration. You've got to look at what accommodations are available. You have to look at, it's online next year. There will be no paper testing unless a student has a strong, valid medical or physical reason that they cannot test online literally Um, from what i've heard it'll be like this student is is visually impaired has no vision also think i mean it's things like and and has emotional needs behavioral needs all this stuff to create a perfect storm of of disability that would that instance would need a paper test exactly of a braille version or this version or that version or that but it's not like you can just say well, this kid doesn't test well on computers. We think they need the paper test. Yeah, nope. and that's that's exactly what I told them. I said, you know, so you take all of these things into consideration, you're going to have to start moving towards using those practices in the classroom. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I recommended to them today was if you have not taken a class or a uh, if you've not done a session on UDL, Universal Design for Learning, or if you have not taken a lesson or a class on specially designed instruction, then you'd better go ahead and do that next this summer because what's going to happen is those strategies are going to be how you accommodate for those kiddos Mm -hmm. and how you accommodate for those kiddos is going to be how they access the curriculum from you. Most of the time, UDL and specially designed instruction are tied to special education. But the thing is, is that they are best practices. They're based on research. They're based on proven facts, proven strategies on how to accommodate for kiddos take those two courses do a udl class do an especially designed learning class and you will get what you need to accommodate for them they were like but it you know we don't teach special ed no but it will help you teach your struggling kiddos yeah what's crazy is when teachers say we don't teach special ed there are not very many teachers in our educational public school systems that that never touch the life of a student with disabilities Right. Kid with a disability never sits in their classroom. Exactly. I just happen to have no sped kids this year. Yeah. I think there's very few teachers who could make that <laughs> statement. And so I think that that is a, 
a false premise when they say that, you know, I don't teach special ed. I don't, what they're saying is I don't teach kids with disabilities the way they need to learn. Well, and the thing is, is that it might not even really be a disability. And, you know, yes, there are students that are identified because they were like, so when we're accommodating, when we're giving, you know, an oral admin, what is that going to look like online? I said, you've got text-to-speech and you've got auto-text-to-speech. Well, how do, how do we know the difference? I said, well, let me explain the difference and then let me, you know, and then we'll talk about it. So I explained the difference between auto-text-to-speech. It's going to read everything from the beginning. Everything that can be read will be read to them. There's no clicking through it. There's no skipping around. It starts at the very beginning, whatever can be read, and it will go through the test and it will read everything that it can. You know, when you get to the test questions and answer choices, if it's an, if it's English one, English two, or reading, it's not going to read passages, yep. but it will read test questions and answer choices. Yep. Math, science, and social studies, it's going to start with question number one, read the test question, all of the answer choices before a student can interact with a question. Yep. That's auto text-to-speech. Text-to-speech is student request. They get to highlight, they get to select, they can, they can choose to read all of it or they choose only parts of it. Well, how do we know the difference? I said, that's the beauty. You have to have either an IEP, you have to have either a 504 plan or LPAC or some type of RTI intervention plan in place for kiddos to use text-to-speech text or auto text-to-speech. Yeah. So tell me that you're not teaching kiddos that have one of those four. And if you're telling me that you don't have kiddos that have one of those four, then you shouldn't be using an oral admin or text-to-speech. Right. Oh, well, yeah, but we do. Okay, then you have a kiddo that has one of those four. And yeah. chances are it's either a 504 plan or an IEP. You should be addressing their instructional needs based on what the IEP states or what the 504 plan states to provide access for those kiddos so that they can be successful, so. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a brave new world. I think, you know, I empathize with educators, right? I empathize with teachers and our SPED staff and I, because I know everything, it seems like the whole world has all of a sudden like shifted on a dime, right? And now everything has changed and yet nothing has changed at the same time. And so I really do empathize with many of my friends and colleagues out there in the field working, doing the work, doing the best they can, trying to meet the needs of kids and doing all these things and feeling like, this is another thing for them to be stressed about. You know what I mean? Because right. you think about just with everything, like just the idea of going to on all online testing, that's a big thing. And then start yeah. redesign, couple that with that. Then, you know, all the changes as far as virtual learning and hybrid learning and remote learning mm -hmm. and, and all the other things. I get it. I mean, I, I totally fundamentally understand why schools you know, and, and, and the people in the schools are stressed, you know, and, and yet I still think a lot of these changes are positive changes. So yeah, I agree, but it's just, a, you're having to prepare yourself again for a different mindset. You know, the same thing happened. When we went from tax to star 12 yeah. years ago, you know, and I was part of the assessment team, even then and going, making that transition was scary for everyone and going, you know, it's still star, but going from the transition from star to new star redesign, it's still scary because teachers are going to have to step out of their comfort zone and actually teach, not teach the test, but teach the skills, teach the content. And they're going to have to address students with disabilities, students with different abilities, students, we, you know, who have dyslexia, students who are emergent bilinguals. And it's funny because I actually flipped two slides they're in English, but I presented them in Spanish 
and they were looking at me and, and, you know, one of them, one of them raised your hand and said, I don't know what you're saying. And so I finished what I was doing, finished what I said. And my question to them was, if you understood what I just said, these last two sides, please stand up out of 200 that stood up. That's an immersive experience right there. That's getting them to see. So think about the kids in your class who don't understand what you're saying, the language barriers, the learning barriers, the and information is presented in a format in which they aren't able to yep. internalize that information. Yeah. Now you're all of a sudden in their shoes, majority. You know, what do you do with that? Exactly. And that that's exactly what I told them. I said, now I said, you've just experienced a student coming to us who's low socioeconomic, who doesn't have access to advanced language. They may speak English, but they may have only understood, please stand up, because that was part of just regular everyday conversational language. The rest of it was content. They may not have gotten it. I said, you're dealing with students who don't speak English. You've got emergent bilinguals, whether that's in Spanish or Japanese or Chinese or you know, whatever language they come to us speaking, they don't get it. And they may not have, I said, none of you understood with exception of seven, understood, please stand up. That is a basic everyday conversational piece of language. I said, and so you guys experienced what many of our kids come to us with or without when it comes to basic language. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the power of differentiation comes in yeah. and, and presuming intelligence in others. Yeah, that's powerful. So, well, Patty and Pam, how are y'all doing? I see me and Jen were already knee deep in a conversation when y'all jumped on. Yes, we noticed. <laughs> Today we're doing a workshop on star redesign. And so we talk, gave an overview and, and talked about what star is going to look like. And then uh, we broke for lunch. And now this afternoon, the rest of the session, we're breaking out into content areas. And so we're looking at the specific item types, we're looking, or the new item types, we're looking at the content, the new blueprints for each content area. And so I'll be bouncing back and forth. But one of the things that I, you know, that they were concerned about was the fact that they're going to have to teach writing in all content areas. There are open-ended questions in science, math, and social studies. And before that was just a teacher, you know, you know, just English teachers. They're the only ones that have to teach writing. So you can teach writing. You can teach right. the basic mechanics of you're going to have to step out of your comfort zones. You're going to have to do something different this year. And that's just, that's what people are struggling with is that I'm not comfortable with doing that, or I don't, that's going to be a lot more work when really it's not, it's just no. a matter of you teaching the content you're supposed to be teaching just in a different way. I agree with you. It might not be the content. It's actually assessing the content. Actually, if, yeah. Yeah. Because if you're used to just multiple choice tests, now you're saying I'm going to convert into a writing open-ended question and I'm going to have to read those. <laughs> I'm going to have to read the little rascal wrote. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was one of the issues that came yeah, up. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I think I think you might have some good science teachers, science teachers, social study teachers who are really good at content. Yeah, oh, allows the, how they assess it, and they and they just you know rely on those multiple choice questions, which is no longer they can rely on that. But then I still come back to the fact that what makes you an effective teacher is it that you're really good at teaching your content the way you know how to teach your content, or is it that you're really good at helping kids internalize and learn the concepts and the information you're responsible for teaching? And so, and that, I mean, I'm not, I'm just asking that question, but I think a lot of times we tend to think of people as being highly effective if they can do something 
in a certain way well and that be like if it's a science teacher teaching science concepts if they're but if they're already doing so and they're diversifying it for their learners this isn't that far of a step like i think those schools that are already diversifying their learning uh pedagogical approaches and those who are um, already going beyond just teaching multiple choice questions and 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 determining um, competency in their students in different ways than just that th this isn't that big of a change and so I, I don't know it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see yeah it will be it, you know and so we have lots of teachers that are asking so where are the blueprints you know when we want to take a look at what what is that going to look like we don't we don't have that we still don't have that Right. The first administration of the new star redesign will take place in the spring of 23. So what do we do between now and then? Teach your teaks. Keep teaching. Just keep yeah. doing what you're doing and everything will be fine. I think well, the two things you said, Jen, early on, which was if you're not, if you fundamentally understand specially designed instruction, high yield yeah. instructional practices, the differences in that kind of stuff, like reach out to your service centers, ask for additional training, ask in district, you know, hey, I need to better understand these areas of instruction that I maybe yes. am not as, as up to date on and consider looking into universal design for learning. If you're self-taught, go on the website and go look for it and learn about universal design for learning and how differentiated instruction really does yeah. kind of remove barriers ahead of time. And, right. and for, so I think there's things teachers can do proactively before the that star assessment, you know, comes out in the spring of 2023, as far as what they're doing on a daily basis. I made the plug for UDL, the workshop that we're doing for UDL and SDI. Yeah. And, and it was like, you're going to have to attend these so that you learn how to accommodate in the classroom. Yeah. Cause and, think about it now more than ever with, with the, the changes in the star redesign now more than ever, districts have to be willing to go outside of the classroom to their colleagues down the hall across different content areas and planning. And so that communication has got to increase in our schools and from our schools outside of our schools into either vendors or ESCs or TEA on this uh, technical assistance network resources or something, because right. there's new learning that needs to occur right. for educators to stay relevant and current. And so that's, right. that's a great call to action, really, as far as with that star redesign. Listen, we can get frustrated by it or we can be proactive and step out and start doing the things we need to do be, to be prepared for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's what today is all about, is making sure that we are prepared, making sure that we have what we need, understanding the new item types for all kiddos, understanding, you know, what those are going to look like for all kiddos, understanding how to make them accessible for all kiddos. It's not just a... A gen ed, it's not just a gen ed. And, and we do, we had a lot of administrators in there saying, yes, I want to be able to talk to these teachers, letting them know that we're going to have to do this for all of our kids. And, and specifically, and there was a question that came directly what is this going to look like for kids with that are being served through special ed? Well, I can tell you that it shouldn't look any differently than the others. You're, they're just right. going to access it differently. Right. And this is how, and I showed them the accommodations that are built into the new system. Yep. You know, this is how they're, they're going to use the tools that have been provided for them mm -hmm. so that they access the same content that you're teaching everyone else. It's not going to, it's not different content. It's not going to look any different. They're just accessing it differently. UDL and specially designed instruction, that's on the SPED side. Those are two courses, two workshops that we do on the SPED side. But if you want to learn how to differentiate, you want to learn how to, to accommodate for these kiddos, for all kiddos, you need to come 
so that you have a better understanding of what that's going to look like and so that you can get a better picture and start planning for what your classroom is going to look like because you can use those strategies to start accommodating even though we don't know what the test is going to look like. And also it gives opportunity you know, for students who, are, who may not be using a speech to text to use speech to text for their writing because because let's face it, it'll be some kids they can you know they understand the content they understand the, the concept but they have lousy writing skills yep mm-hmm. and you give the opportunity that it's not it wouldn't be rare for them to use it like in their science class and, and in their social studies class i did mention you know like you said the writing skills that they, they struggle with the writing skills okay i get it I, I there are kids out there who don't know how to use punctuation there are kids out there that don't know how to capitalize the first right. letter of a word or a proper noun or you know person place or thing i get it but the thing right. is is that i can tell you when it comes to grammar grammar and mechanics when it comes to the essays the open ended responses Yes, they're looking for punctuation, but if you've got a well-developed short answer or an essay, they're not going to count it completely wrong or fail that essay because I'm missing three periods or because there are four letters, four words that I didn't capitalize or because I misspelled gravity or, you know, they take into consideration that these papers are rough draft in nature, rough, rough draft in nature. Yeah. First draft, because they get, you know, four hours to take a 56 question test that includes an essay or a short answer or multiple short answers. So they're go- they know that this is a quick response and that things are going to be missing. So grammar and mechanics, it's not going to fail them automatically because they miss they missed some, you know, a period or two or a capital letter or, you know, it doesn't work that way. Well, you know, as a science teacher, I should be able to know, no, kids, wherever you go, whatever you do, you're going to have to write regardless of you will have to write. So that's a skill that they need to pick up on in every content. Yeah. Or some kids have dysgraphia. And so, um, you know, it's difficult to write. And so they will need accommodations for that particular test. Like I've seen kids that it's really difficult to understand what they're putting in on paper, but they're super smart and they can articulate it. They can speak it, but it's very hard to put it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see the technologies here really helping. Right. Oh, with definitely. The, with dysgraphia, with things like that. And they can, especially if they can implement things like text, uh, you know, speech to text or things like that, where they can actually just speak out there and not have to take out that middle ground of having to then go from the brain to the hand, to the type, to the right, to the, but be able to just articulate that for some. And for some articulation is difficult, right? And so um, they, they may struggle in that and need to have uh, their fingers on the keys. And so, but I, I do think that this, this step to online assessment, even though like I talked to my own children about it, they still prefer to have a piece of paper in front of them and go through and use their test skills and cross things out and stuff like that. But that's just because that's what they're comfortable with. That's what they've always experienced. When they're a couple years into taking tests all on the computer, they live on the computer. Right now, every one of my kids is, has their face in a computer, a phone, <laughs> a pad, something right now. They right. spend all day. They know stuff on that computer. I have no idea. You know, so the idea that, that technology is going to be what holds our kids back on these tests, you know, no, no, no. Grownups have to get caught up. So we can ensure we're using these technologies in the classroom to ensure they understand on the day of the test how to leverage and manipulate them yeah. and the kids will be fine. 
most kids nowadays, they're, they're digital kids. They, they don't, they're digital natives. They don't know a life without or a world without some electronics. And so tell me that our kids don't know the computer. Our kids don't, they were raised using a computer or a phone or, and so we need to quit using that excuse of they, they're not comfortable on the computer yeah. because they know more about computers and phones and all of the technology than we put, you know, put together. And we've been using it for years now ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's just an excuse. It's just an excuse. They do better on paper. Well, no, because they've been using computers since they were, you know, almost since the day they were born. But also the reality of it is there's very few things in the adult world where it's paper. I mean, that's the crazy thing about it. You do a job application, you're doing it on the computer. If you have to write a letter, it's going to be on the computer, you know. Student registration nowadays, schools have gone to online registration. And two years ago, we went to all online. My wife was like, praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the world we live in. Maybe maybe it's a good thing, too, because just the idea of like just for environmental purposes. Right. I mean, the fact that every time we register a child for school, we don't have to kill a tree. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) we, we can just go online and do it. I mean, there's there's some residual positives things to that. One of the um, criticisms I've heard about state testing for years, and this is a common trend I hear, and it's like, hey, what if we didn't spend all this money on state testing and instead we took that money and we put it into school safety or this or that or the other, mm-hmm. right? I get it, right? No, I get it. I mean, I, I kind of halfway agree with that. You know, moving to an online platform clearly will eliminate not just cost waste uh, for printing of materials that aren't used, but just for printing of materials that are used. That yeah. If everything, they're going to pay lots of money to our vendors. We know that and to, to manage this stuff. But I suspect there's going to be the cost savings as far as, and then that's taxpayer dollars that aren't going into producing materials to do standardized tests. Right. Another thing that it's going to save on is time to score paper tests. I think that's pretty much it. Okay. Our conversation started off in a different direction. <laughs> it's okay. It's a good conversation, though. Good conversation. John, tell everyone how they can continue to elevate the conversation about special education in Texas. You got it, Pam. They can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SpedTalk2020. Because in these disconnected times, connecting with others has never been so important. Now more than ever, it takes courage to create culture and kindness to keep us connected. If you enjoyed this episode of Sped Talk, be sure to share it with a friend because information should always flow through us, not to us. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, and we need your help sharing the amazing transformation occurring in special education. Together, we can change the trajectory of learning opportunities in Texas for students with disabilities. If you have ideas, information, or resources that you think we should share on an upcoming episode of Sped Talk, let us know at Sped Talk 2020 on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And be sure to like our page while you're there. Oh yeah, and if you get a chance, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform that you listen to Sped Talk. Living in the moment and the moment is the future.